Coming up next, the booking talks about audiobooks. Hello and welcome to the beginning. I am your humble and obedient host. My name is Nathan. I am here with the pastor who's a master of literature, reading, books, words, sentences. That's me. I'm good at reading words. He's good sentences. at reading words. He's right up there. He's good at reading situations. He's Ooh. good at... What else are you good at reading, Jake? Hearts. Hearts. The Times. The New York Times. <laughs> yes, all the, all, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All the things. All the things. Anything Especially the New York Times. Tea leaves. What else can you read? Yep. Palms, mm-hmm. tarot cards. Yep. And all other news fits print. Hey, Jake, how do you get yeah. Brandon to lose weight? You know, some things are impossible. No, no uh, this is possible. You pay the ice cream man to keep on driving. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Did you hear about the time that uh, Brandon <laughs> took her pants to the dry? Or no, took, sorry. I'm just. Uh, I'm remembering Whose pants this. is Brandon taking to the drive? You know, I'm just sometimes when I remember things in my brain and I'm not reading them off of my phone, I swap out genders, especially when I'm ah, talking yeah. about Brandon. Um, yeah, you remember for, for when Brandon reasons. took her pants to the dry cleaners, and the lady said, <laughs> "We don't do curtains." <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, what about when Brandon put on his lipstick with a paint roller? <laughs> Because he's so fat. <laughs> right. <laughs> he sat uh, on a nickel and whoever's on the nickel Hamilton or whoever had his had Booker's squeeze out of his nose or something. That That is also a thing that we remember. <laughs> it's it's not a Yo Mama joke or anything like that. I don't know why anybody would think that. <laughs> These are just recollections about our good friend, <laughs> Brandon, Brandon Chastine. Whose son managed to get to... Uh, cut his internet line to his house somehow and yes uh, well yeah, he's um, not sitting quietly in the corner he is tragically out of internet service well brandon is so fat that when she went bungee jumping she <laughs> broke the bridge that's not true brandon is not a girl he's never broken a bridge that i am aware <laughs> of man Okay, I'm going to come clean. I'm I've actually been reading yo mama fat jokes from ranker.com. These are like the top 15 yo mama fat jokes of all time and i know i mean i know i've heard better fat jokes than these yeah i was trying to think of some of the ones i've i've heard but i don't know she wore a yellow raincoat and people yelled taxi got on a scale it said to be be continued took a picture of her last christmas it's still printing so many double chins she looks like she's staring at you over a pile of pancakes Oh, it's kind of funny. Yeah. <sighs> so good. What age do kids get joke books? You've had enough kids, and I've seen like crummy, like joke books the, do- the, the dentist got a toothache kind of joke books at your house. Like, what what age is it that kids it's like really like that? Eight, eight to ten. Eight. Okay, there you go. I've got seven years and like ten months before I have to worry about that. I guess. Given that my daughter is two months old, if people are doing the math. <sighs> Jake. Yep. We were going to do all kinds of things, but Brandon's internet was cut by his son, Elliot, as you said. Elliot! Elliot! And Elliot. We are going, I promise you folks, we like to do episodes with all three of us, and we are going to do some episodes with all three of us very soon. Definitely, eventually. Definitely, eventually. Definitely, eventually, soon. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't, I think maybe the last one we did was, I think one of the Arthurs we were all here for, right? Maybe. The first context one, yeah. The first context. Although yeah. it's arguable whether or not I was here for that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That was the famed <laughs> bobblehead episode. <laughs> so uh, basically like, what's happened is Brandon was so annoyed with me that he yeah. simply refused to be back since then. Yeah. They, they won't be in the same room. So I can record a podcast with Jake. I can record a co- podcast with Brandon. 
But you know, it's always good. And to, I'm sorry, yeah. I was wrong. And you I know, love Jake, you. The, the important thing is that you you brought a, a much needed strain of completely visual humor to <laughs> to our podcast. <laughs> to the beginning podcast. <laughs> it was very funny yeah. on our uh, on our video. You know, we, the important thing is we were having fun, and <laughs> the, no isn't that is, what people want? Is to just sort of enjoy us having fun together. I think that is basically what people want, except for those grumpuses that leave us one star because too much banter, man. <laughs> too, yeah, too much banter, man. That's how they talk, too. I'm going to see if we have any new reviews. And, folks, we actually are going to talk about a subject today. Just we have one subject. of those. We, we do have the a real subject. One. Yep. Yep. We're kings. We have a subject. Let me see here. Yeah, the most recent. are learning how to become kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should. Moved to Evansville. We're uh, going through a really fun sermon series. Jake just preached on Proverbs. I'm going to say it. One of the best sermons I've heard Jake give. So uh, you want you want to look it up. You can find uh, Church of the Kings on like where you get your podcasts, and it's the second. In the actually, it's the first because the second the first one we actually had an audio snafu. So it's yeah. the first audio recording of Jake preaching through Proverbs. And yep. yeah, Proverbs 1, 8 to 19. Pretty interesting and edifying stuff. Probably stuff that you, you dummy, haven't thought about. Really, you probably just read this chapter and thought, eh, it's about something. But what? How to become, how to don't become a pirate or a gangster? Well, doesn't apply. Check. Moving yep. on. It's the part about all that like let's lie and wait for someone and spill their blood all that stuff when somebody so, comes to you and says come let us lie and wait for innocent blood don't do it yeah yeah we've got a lot to say about that a yeah lot. yeah we have so much to say that i i think there will be much to say about it this summer i think you might hear some of it leak into our sound of sanity podcast yep. because i'm excited about how many different sort of cultural and pop cultural things there are to talk about you know some of our other wheelhouses or what do you call them? I was thinking houses? about it again today. Well, you brought up the uh, today in our discussion or about it, the entertainment side mm-hmm. of things, and then let's get. You should give them like a, a thirty second explanation of where you went with that passage, so they can get excited about all the different things that we're going to do with it. Okay, so later on, for one reason or another, I might have stumbled into some some music from my childhood, and mm-hmm. boy, does it apply! Well, Jake, I guess. Since we brought it up, people are probably wondering, and they can go listen to the sermon, but... My basic summary of the lesson of that passage is you have this sort of seemingly extreme case. Solomon's writing to teenage boys, and he's, he really is basically saying, don't join a gang, don't become a pirate, right? The truth is that boys tend to form gangs in general, and there are principles about gangs and mobs and how we're tempted to join them that apply in that scale all across the board. And so the appeal is really simple. And if you break it down into its component parts, it's really simple and actually really compelling. It's come with us. You're an outsider. You feel like an outsider. You want to be on the inside. Don't you want to be a part of the group, a part of the in crowd, a part of the cool kids? Come with us. We're going to do something really exciting, really crazy, really bold, really gutsy, really risky. Something that is actually wicked as the allure of the forbidden, that has the appeal of, of, you know, it's just, it's other, it's otherly. Mm-hmm. And aren't there times in your life where you want to just rebel and break something and break something beautiful or hurt somebody or something that's innocent and perfect? Because don't you feel bad about yourself and dirty? We can do that and we can do it together and we can do it in a way where nobody will ever find out. We can cover it up perfectly. And on top of that, it's going to make us rich. And we're going to be all in it together. And it doesn't matter who on the outside of our group we hurt, because on the inside of this group, we're for each other. Mm-hmm. And so that's it. Come with us, man. We're going to do something manly and crazy and risky. Don't you feel like you're made? Like, don't you want some, to do something that makes your blood pump, that makes you excited, that makes you feel like you're alive? You're made for risk. You're made for adventure. You're made for something exciting. Actually going down the path of wickedness is that. We're going to do that. We're going to do it together. We're going to cover it up. There's not going to be any consequences, and it's going to make us rich, and we're going to be all for one, one for all. And Solomon calls it out for what it is, and it applies across the board. 
for all the ways that we're tempted to join in and cave to peer pressure. Mm-hmm. Find ways of dishonest gain and don't care who we hurt. And there are lines that once you cross them, they can't be uncrossed. And Proverbs gives us the pattern and it applies to the woke mob. It applies to social media. It applies to entertainment. It applies to suburban little bicycle gangs. <laughs> it applies across the board and he gives us the way out. And uh, yeah, and, and I think it's a key window to seeing how the world we live in works and the insanity of it all. Mm-hmm. And then it helps you understand why Lady Wisdom is crying out in the streets, which is what we're going to talk about this coming week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how does it apply to books, you might ask? Well, for one thing, think about all the crummy, for, for kind of an old silly thing, think about all the crummy 1940s and 50s pulp covers where it's like, what did Kathy do in East of Eden? What did the sultry minx, what terror did the sultry minx inflict upon the innocent? You know, like books of books, all entertainments really are sold on those principles. Let me show you something. Let me show you something forbidden. You can be part of the club. That, uh, why did everybody go see that crummy Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie? To take a more modern example. Or why does clickbait say, number six will shock you. Here's seven facts about Kanye and Kim's marriage and the horrors. They're, you know, once you start to sort of think of those terms, you'll begin to see all kinds of places in your life. If you're anything like me, at least, maybe you're above this kind of thing, dear listener, but you'll, you'll see all kinds of places in your life where the only real interest to, to a thing, to that click, to that turning that page, to turning, to watching that thing is to see something forbidden to be part of the club that knows about the thing and maybe to feed a little bloodlust or a little less lust and, and to feel like you can do it without any consequences. Right. So I think a great deal of it without being one of those guys that's anti novel or anti whatever, you know, we on the booking, we like books, but I think a lot of probably even the books we've read have either been sold that way or do contain some element of that actually, because it's a pretty potent, way of appealing to people's baser instincts well look the first nine chapters of proverbs are going to be an awful lot about the ways that the draw of sex and death are used to manipulate you Mm -hmm. into wickedness right and sex and death are what sells yeah and so there it is right there and in solomon nails nails our culture nails our our world to the wall in about 11 verses, about 11 lines, and it's so simple and mm-hmm. so obvious and so universal in its application. I mean, it really is Pride Month, it's abortion, it's movies, it's the pressure you feel at work to be a part of a conspiracy to rob from your employer, whether it's time or your expense reports or whatever it works. It's, mm-hmm. it's all of that stuff. It's the mob in the streets. And Solomon nails it to the wall. Yep. And and he says he says it's it's so dumb. It's so foolish. <laughs> it's like uh, you know, it's literally going going out and throwing a noose over a branch, putting your head in it and saying, Look at me, I'm gonna catch a bird. Okay. It's so dumb that if wisdom was a lady, she would be like, You idiots. Why what didn't you listen to you? that? Now you're going to die because you didn't listen to that. And it's going to be funny when you die because you should have listened to me. But instead, you went and did that crap. And uh, so you'll die and it'll be funny. Ha ha. I am beautiful and honest and true. And I'm here offering you life and joy and happiness and freedom from death. And you looked at me and you spat on me and went and jumped off a bridge and said, look at how I can fly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's kind of funny. I mean, it's terrible, but what else am I supposed to do, moron? And that's about the attitude of Lady Wisdom. No, it really is. Like, (laughs) what would you rather do? Uh, Marry the most beautiful, intelligent, awesome woman in the world or eat glass? Like, uh, (laughs) And you chose eat glass. And you chose eat glass, so. Moron. (laughs) I'm sorry that your mouth is bleeding and that your uh, stomach lining is punctured and that you're dying, but also... You did eat glass, so <laughs> you kind of you know, deserve it. It's it's kind of funny, yeah. No, and that's but that's who we are. 
I mean, that really is who we are. We're a bunch of fools, apart from the grace of God, who would rather eat glass than marry beautiful Lady Wisdom. Yep. So. And that's the insight. And that's, the... that's the folly that's bound up in the heart of every child. And we have a bunch of man children running around who've never learned the first thing about wisdom and maturity. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, I, th- I think children are naturally pretty good, actually. I mean, they need to be taught to eat and uh, go to the bathroom, but they'll, they'll probably know not to covet, you know? <laughs> Why are we talking about this? I don't know, because it's what's on our mind and it's what we've been talking about off mic and it's fun to talk about. And I don't know, maybe some listeners out there need to hear it. I mean, I, I bet some listeners out there need to hear it. Yeah, I forget how it came up. Um, I said something about the fact that you were preaching, but you always preach. I don't know why I, I said that. I don't know, listener, you can hit the 15 back button and figure it out. Figure I it guess. out. Or maybe <laughs> you let, let us know because we're not going to listen to this again. <laughs> no, we don't listen to this crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Proverbs is awesome. Proverbs is so much fun to talk about. I know there's a greater value to a book of the Bible than it being fun to talk about, but Proverbs is fun to talk about. Yeah, it's so good. So, yeah, that's what's happening at Church of the King. And uh, we would be talking more about literature, but Brandon's not here. Hey, Jake, let's talk about audiobooks real quick. Right. Because we had a listener request that we talk about audiobooks. And I didn't actually talk to this gentleman myself. I'm not sure exactly what his question was. I assume he probably doesn't use audiobooks. And so maybe he wants some practical tips, but maybe he also wants to know our philosophy behind using audiobooks and how we think they stack up to regular books and all that sort of thing. So I don't know. You got some general thoughts about audiobooks? I think it's safe to say you and I both use audiobooks frequently, including to get through books for this very podcast. Yeah, and and never more than I do now. I am probably the biggest holdout. Yes, you didn't do it for a long time. That's true. Yeah. Sorry, one second. Yeah, I'm probably the biggest holdout when it comes to audio, but I do not actually prefer audiobooks as a method. I really like to sit down and read a book and enjoy a book. I like the quiet of it. I like the, in my head of it, I like the work of it in its way. It's just very satisfying to me in a good way to relax and just escape for a while into my own imagination. I like my interpretation of books better than most audiobook readers that I've ever heard. There's only there's exactly one exception to that. Exactly one. Invisible man. And it's the invisible man. And so but when life is crazy and things just gotta get done and you have choices between the quality of content that you're gonna be uh consuming, audiobooks are a really great alternative to no books or mm-hmm some dumb thing on Disney Plus. And they're often a really great alternative to the dumb podcasts you listen to, like the bookening. I mean, mm-hmm. goodness. No, so, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, the, the, one of the great things about audiobooks is just the ability to change the tempo. Hey, we're the bookening. I just realized <laughs> you're, it's not better than the bookening. That was a joke. That uh, was a joke. The other, other crappy podcast. Other dumb podcasts. Probably yeah. not even like Warhorn podcasts, but yeah. Like NPR. Anything, like, anything on like Fight Laugh Feast or... Well... I guess yeah. that went without saying, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it probably did. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, well look, you were... So, so yeah. I mean, and here's part of the issue, at least for me personally, and I, I mean, I now am preaching again on a weekly basis, which I was doing probably when we started this show. That's true. On campus. For at least the first year or two of the show. Yeah, I think I probably was. But things have changed too where I would I mean I would say the biggest the biggest changes in my life in the last year, apart from I mean, we've moved to Evansville to plant a church, right? right? So there's that. Everything's changed. The relationships have changed. But my function and role in the church went from a lot of evening meetings with church friends and people, church people, committee meetings and things like that, and counseling stuff with people in the church in the context of, I mean, 
you know, a bunch of elders and six or seven other pastors and stuff like that to being essentially a solo pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about to change. Ben's about to get ordained. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Ben's, he, he gets all his income, at least as of now, outside of church work. So it's really just like relationships and meetings and meetings and meetings, people, 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 and then cram in whatever other study time I can for my sermon whenever I can. So I'm going to sit down and read something. I'm going to be reading a commentary or something that's going to help me figure out what in the world to say and how to feed and help people on Sunday morning. All of that is a lot of mental and emotional energy. And so my bandwidth, my personal bandwidth for sitting down to read a book like Watership Down or something like that is really, really diminished. And so mm-hmm. audiobooks are super helpful. What a great, fantastic book. And in a book that I would feel like I didn't have time for if I couldn't listen to it on audio at one and a half times mm-hmm. or 1.8 or 2.2 or, you know, depending on my mood and depending on how the reader is and depending on how, on my level of fatigue, you know? So I love that in the best audiobook players, you can't, you can't actually have that kind of precision, precision though. You can't do 1.8 like an yeah. Audible and Libby and some of these, you, you can, you can get it to exactly the speed that is right for you, which is really helpful. And you can scale it up as your mind adjusts, mm-hmm. which right? it does, so, by the way, so you, you can know that. Yeah, you can start on 1.5 and your mind adjusts and suddenly you're hearing it. Like your brain does a thing where at 1.5, you're hearing it as if it was at 1. And then you can scale up from there to 1.7 or 1.8 or 2. And then after a while, you can scale up even farther. And at a certain point, it does become indiscernible. But there's there's a lot of pushing that you can do on your mind as you go. And that allows you to consume a lot of content in a short amount of time. And that's cool. Mm-hmm. And you're, it's being filtered through your audio, your performer, and it's being filtered through what you can actually take in and uh, really imagine and absorb at that rate. So it is a different experience. But guys, there's only so many hours in a day and you've got to prioritize things. And so First things are first. There's your family and your church. And at the end of the day, we want to take these things seriously. The show exists to take literature seriously, but take it seriously in its proper place. Mm-hmm. And so you have the luxury, listener, of saying, well, I'm going to pick. I actually have the freedom in my life to read every one of these novels and to read them you know, on paper. That's great that you have that. I don't, but I want to just sit down and read and enjoy them. So well, I need to only read five or six of them a year. Okay, well, be, you can pick and choose. Yeah, exactly. The, the listener also has the luxury of not reading one of the books, which, yeah. uh, you know, you are obliged to read all 12 of them or whatever it comes to. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, that's what I, was, what I was saying. You just pick five or six of them, right? Like, mm-hmm. But we, we have to do them all right. um, in order to provide you with helpful perspective on them. And so sometimes for us, and this is, you know, this is the sort of joy and curse of the show, like... I would not have read near as many of these classic books or consumed, I should say, near as many of these classic books as I would have without the discipline of this show in my life. But some of the ones that I have consumed, I would have enjoyed better. Yeah, I think that's true. And that's the give and take of it. And, you know, that's okay. In in certain books, at the rate at which we have to consume them, do get short shrift because of that, because they're not meant to be read at the pace we have to read. Mm-hmm. And that's that's okay because the show gets done and we're able to offer insight into it no matter what. But sometimes, you know, I think, you know, a book like, this is, this is a bad example, but a book like Gilead mm-hmm. um, by Marilyn Robinson is a book that wants to be read really slowly. Mm-hmm. And you try to read it fast. And the faster you read that thing, the, stupor, the stupider it gets, right? The more you plow through a book like Gilead, the more stupid and inane the plot becomes i've never actually given my thoughts on gilead so <laughs> right uh, the mis- right that's because the mysterious phantom set a trap for you that was, but, that was um, the first time you ever showed up but a large part of the point of a book like gilead is to just sit and be slow and the way that you would more with poetry kind of soak it in kind of soak it in luxuriate in it right and none of us had the luxury to luxuriate in in that book mm-hmm. and so and that's tr- that's that's true of other things too. At the same time, I think the truly great books hold up at any pace that you read them. I think that's true. 
And um, I think it's, 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 it's idiotic in life to not make con- conscious trade-offs. There's right. always trade-offs. And so you can either have the trade-offs forced upon you. Like you're the kind of guy that just always has to read the book and you have to look at it and you have to read it. And so by necessity, you read one book a year because you have a job and a life and a wife and kids or a husband and kids, whatever. Or you can be conscious that there are trade-offs and then decide what you're willing to trade for what. Right. And being a little strategic about it never hurts. You know, I mean, there's some people that resent having to be strategic about like, you know, I just have my principle for how I read a book. Well, sure. For some, for certain kinds of books, I'll tell you, for me, I can't listen to theology. Like there's just, there, there, A, there's not a point. B, it feels bad somehow, rightly or wrongly. It just feels weird to me. And, uh, you know, like I can't turn on Calvin's Institutes and hope to get anything from well, it. Well, so much of the, so much of the value is the, the meditation and application that's mm-hmm. personal, right? So you need that space with something that has to do with the things of God in a way that you don't with a story that has a narrative that's propelling forward. Right. Right. So now w- with your Bible reading, that can be actually, that can actually be different. It can actually be really helpful. It's, I think it can be more helpful to uh, take your uh, Bible reading in via audio, Just actually reading it. Advanced. And certainly than than a lot of theological works. Because a lot of a lot of the Bible was actually written to be read aloud in one sitting. Sitting right. down and having somebody who can read Galatians with understanding can be really productive and profitable. Or if you have a narrative or you know, one of the history books, that can be really helpful to just have a reader. But when it comes to things like I mean, my goodness. If if I'm doing sermon prep and I've got a commentary, like what in the world? I would never, ever, ever in a million years listen to that. The value in it is I've got a pen, I've got my notebook, and I'm reading to riff. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I approach my my commentaries. Some of them that I look at, I I, I have incredible disagreements with them, but the, that's not the point. The point is figure out what I think the passage says and how how it applies. And so I'm just looking for insight and inspiration. And it's about the pen and the paper. And it's mm-hmm. about the space between what they have to say and what I think and what I think is going to be helpful. And this is a completely different way of consuming something. And a lot of that applies to how you read your, your theology too. You ought to always be... I mean, the point of... Theology is the therefore, right? It's how does this change me? How do I see God differently? How does that change how I live? How does that change how I love my wife and my kids and my church and my family and my neighbor? The point is, okay, how do I become more like Jesus? How do, how do I become more godly? If, if your theology isn't to that end, then it's pointless and masturbatory. Mm-hmm. Um, but hypothetically, if somebody achieved that end better auditorily if that's how their brain works yeah if your brain does in fact work that way absolutely i'm not trying to draw a hard line here i'm just making an apology for the fact that it's much easier at least for me and i i expect for most people to carve out space for your fiction to be consumed via audio than your nonfiction. but i've already said that i think the bible itself Mm -hmm. uh, for most for most for lots of people can be at least at times more profitably read or consumed via audio. Yeah. So, and, and that can be true for all kinds of theological works. My point is just like, the point is how it transforms you, mm-hmm. right? And you're not looking to, you know, Richard Adams or whoever to transform you the same way that you're looking to Thomas Watson or John Calvin or... Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's just what the... Those are the kinds of things you need to think about. You need to approach reading as a skill, as a strategy, as something that you're pragmatic about and you need to think like, what am I looking for? And even there'll be different kinds of fiction, you know, even somebody like Hemingway, he's very terse and he's telling a story. So in one way, I like listening to him on audio, but also his prose is just so gorgeous that it's kind of nice to sit with Robert Jordan and those trees. And like, like Hemingway is kind of one of the ones that I like to stay away from audio. And then, you know, Richard Adams, I listened to mostly, but I did 
take a few minutes to read a chapter just because I knew he was a good writer and I knew there were yeah. some things I could appreciate about Watership Down, you know, just have the flavor of it on the page. It's a very bookish book, you know. Well, yeah, and I, you know, I, yeah, I've been taking a lot of tips from you as I have had to rely more on audiobooks and there've been multiple times where you've just said, look, you have to read the first two to four chapters mm-hmm. and orient yourself in this world and have it be set in your imagination in order to really if you to really benefit and be able to move through the audiobook watership down is probably the ultimate example because you got all these dumb rabbits and there's just no there's no way for me to anchor i think you had the same experience Jake. you just cannot yeah. anchor without taking a few minutes to like yeah figure out i couldn't what this i is. just couldn't i couldn't get into the audiobook i couldn't get into the audiobook and they said you, you're just gonna have to read the first several chapters until uh, you have a handle on who the characters are and their names and some of these weird words that he's like introdu- he's like introducing a whole vocabulary to you at the same time as he's introducing all of these characters like mm-hmm. really quickly at the outset and so so yeah and that was really helpful and true because as soon as I got out of the first couple of chapters I could transition over to audio and then and then go yeah what a great book by the way I'm excited to yeah. talk about that one if people haven't read Watership Down, that's one to read. It, it lives up to the hype. I just keep thinking about, I don't know where and what this applies to in terms of everything you said, but I keep thinking about Deuteronomy 6 and the words of the Lord and how you're supposed to uh, teach them to your children and when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise and it's a sign on yeah. your hand and on your doorposts and I keep thinking about that. And then I keep thinking about my favorite proverb from the book of uh, Proverbs, which is the beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. Yeah. I just think you have to be practical about this stuff. Like, I mean, I love the, I love how specific Deuteronomy six is like, write it on your doorpost, like whatever works, like use the iPhone app or don't, or figure out how to have it all the time surround you. And yeah. we've never been in a better position in the history of the world to have our lives soaked with God's word and with scripture than now. I mean, you can just get in your car, go for a walk, put in your earbuds, and just pass, a, just have some somebody in one of 13 different translations read the Bible to you. Right. Or you can pull it up in any language, in the original languages. I mean, you just... You can do cross-references, all kinds of web tools and things like that. And I think the same thing to a lesser degree applies to what we're talking, what we primarily talk about on this show, which is, which is literature. Like you have so many tools. You just have to really be strategic and I think not be married to any one tool. Know what works for you. Know the, the drawbacks. Know the benefits. The limitations. The limitations. You know, it's like what I always say about Wikipedia. You know, people used to say, don't use Wikipedia. It's like looking through a smudged window. And I would always think, you can see a lot through a smudged window as long as you know yeah. it's a smudged window. You just have to know it's a smudged window and then it's better than it's no better window. It's better than no window. Exactly right. You know, if your choice is between no window, you know, I'm just going to say the same thing. But yeah, Wikipedia can be a very helpful starting place. It's just not an ending place. And depending on who you are and what you're in it for, Wikipedia can be just fine. And it's the same thing with audiobooks. You know, I think one thing that's true of you, Jake, probably the most and me the second most and... Brandon, the third most or not at all is we all have varying degrees of narrative lust that has to be fulfilled. Like you are really in it for the story and you want to know how the story ends, which makes you in some ways a pretty ideal audiobook guy because you don't want to get stuck on the beautiful prose of whoever you might, you might appreciate it and enjoy it. But yeah, and I will. And, and certainly I appreciate certain writers more than others in that regard, but it is the story that I want and it's why. Dickens just ain't for me. Right. And I'm kind of a weird mix. I don't know what I am. I, I think I do have a great deal of narrative lust. Sometimes, some, and by the way, probably a better metaphor for that. I just haven't thought of it. A great deal of drive to find out what happens. See, it's not as good. Story so, grip. Story grip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. But, but yeah. also, you can read uh, Raymond Chandler and be happy. Right. I can read Raymond Chandler and be happy. And so... I don't know what I am. I think it just depends on what it is and what I'm there for, which is different. 
I, I very quick, I very quickly get bored if I'm reading something that's just plot. You know, if it's like a Da Vinci Code or whatever the most the popular thing is, you know, Gone Girl or something like that. Well, even even something like Harry Potter. That's what that was the first thing that came came to my mind, but I didn't want to be the the snob. But well, that was I mean, it's true. When when I said you can sit and read Raymond Chandler and be happy, my the analogy for me is I can sit and read Rolling and be happy. Right. And Rolling isn't feeding the thing that I'm there for, and she's that feeding feeds the thing that you and Chandler. And I don't care about that thing very much. Yep. I, I appreciate it when it all comes together. When when Tolstoy's doing his thing or whatever, like that's next level stuff. He's the best. But yeah. if you don't have the if you don't have the bones of plot and structure and story that are propelling me through, I'm not gonna have patience for the beauty of your prose. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I just don't. Not that much. If I want that, I'm gonna read poetry. I like poetry, but I don't like. I can sit down and I can read, you know, six or eight or 12 stanzas of poetry. That's fine. What I don't want is 300 pages of uh, metaphors that are strung together that aren't really going anywhere, no matter how cool the metaphors are. And I can appreciate them in and of themselves, like, and see the poetry and the beauty of them. And Chandler has lots of those. And, you know, you've pointed them out and they've stuck. You know, it's as black as the space between the stars. Yeah, it's a beautiful line. She's um, a blonde to make a bishop kick in a stained glass window. Right. There are lines like that that are like, that's really great. Like, that's really great. Well, there still might be a Chandler book out there that has enough plot for you. But, uh, you know, we'll figure that out some other time. I'm here for it. I just. Maybe one day Rawling will write something good that I'll like. <laughs> um. <laughs> um. She, gets, she gets movie contracts now, man. She's not writing anything again. She, oh, man. She has the chops. She always, she always, she always did. did. And. She's the the money though. said she didn't have to have to use them. So why would she yeah. use them? It's too bad. Those, you know, she is good at plot. You'd think she could plot a series of films, but man, the plot specifically is the weak point of those stupid crimes of Grindelwald or whatever they're called. Like, yeah, I don't understand everything that happened in that. Actually, we've had a little bit of a soft spot for the first movie, but there were so many dumb things that happened in that second movie. Just like things that didn't. Like, well, what she realized is that she didn't. She didn't have it planned out. Like, and she didn't have an interesting Newt's commander story. And so she knew that she had to, had to make it a Dumbledore Grindelwald story. Mm-hmm. And then it got weird and stupid. And I also feel like she was just doing, I've done this. We've done this maybe in some of our projects together. You get stuck on, can I do this particular thing? This challenge, this artistic, I, you know, I, I'm going to do this story this way or have this type of a character or work in this kind of a twist or structure. Part of the charm of that first movie is just like, well, we know that like each country has its own sort of spin on right. the world of magic. What about America? Which is a good idea. But yeah. then she boxes herself into these corners. And I think the specific one actually is I think she wanted to do something interesting in terms of her hero with Newt Scamander and he's just a zero. He's just not yeah. an interesting lead for a story. And she's stuck with him. I mean, it's his story. It has to be, but he's just really boring. And Eddie Redmayne does nothing to bring him to life. And I don't know what it was that she thought she would, maybe she intentionally was like, I'm going to do a more kind of effeminate guy or, or just, you know, he's obviously not cut in the, the some usual kind of, some, some kind of alt take on the classic hero. Right. Yeah. He's kind of a pacifist. He's kind of gentle, whatever. And I could see something like that working. And usually she's really good at making a lot of different types of characters come to life. But that particular character just does not work. And she, it, it, she should have just picked, she, she, she should have she just done the good Hermione story where Hermione's the main character and just been as straight up feminist as she wants to be. She has things to say there and she cares. And she's actually an ideologue. And some of the things she has to say are actually good and resonate. And it's why she's gotten in trouble with the woke mob. Yeah. Well, apparently one of her Robert Galbraith novels is is like the most recent one is explicitly about like the bad guy is trans or something. He's trans. Yeah. So she's an interesting character that Joe Rawling. Yep. But I wonder what she, what kind of audio books she listens to. Oh, hey, it's Jake's cat's ear. Yeah. He's going to turn our cat's thing off. Hi, Minnie. Say hi. (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to say about audiobooks. The other way that my brain works is I don't 
give myself to things that easily. I think maybe of you and me and Brandon, I'm the person who's like the holdout, like this thing better impress me or make me, I don't know. We can all be like that in different ways. I definitely have the reputation with movies of being that guy. Like, I don't know if I am with books as much, but I definitely with what an audio book often allows me to do is I will listen really fast the first time just to find out whether I care. And then once I've discovered that it's worth living there, I'll either slow down or I'll go back and read it again. Or I'll just, uh, what I'll do is I'll mark little things, you know, like Audible has ways you can mark it, or I'll just like be reading along and I'll be like, I want to go back. I want to see what they what the author was doing there. I want to see what that metaphor was. I want to see what that character turn was. I'm going a little fast right now, but mm-hmm. I'm interested in coming back and making sure that I've got all this. I know I'm not, again, I'm aware of my limitations. I know I'm not getting it all the first time. I'm, I'm, I'm just doing a survey. And once I kind of well, do that, even when you read, yeah, you do that even when you read, that's your strategy is you do a survey and you read the last chapter and then you come back and actually read the book. Yeah. You always know the ending before you actually sit and enjoy it. And if I know the ending, I'm not going to have patience to go back and read the book. Yeah. I but just, to me, it's like, not how if I the ending work. sucked, then I don't want to retroactively go back and have wasted my time reading all the rest of it. So, but I also don't want to just and, read the Wikipedia and, summary. So, and to, and to me, if, if I read the ending, I know the story. Yep. I, the, that's it. Like, <laughs> done. Check. But the piece of advice that's here, which I'm just going to keep hammering, is know who you are. Know what you like. Know what know what helps you retain information when you're studying. Like, yeah. You, you that's not to say that yourself. I can't come back to a story that I know the ending of. Like, we do that all the time with movies and with certain books. But still, like, in that moment, like, it goes on the shelf. It's going to mm-hmm. have to take a minute to come back. But yeah. yeah. But know yourself, if you, right? If, that is if the you're, point. If you're reading Tolstoy, you might want to go just a tad slower, you know, listen to it at 1.5 instead of 2. So that you can catch some of the stuff that Nathan's going to sort of note. I'm not catching that. I know I'm not catching that, but I'm going to go back for it. And I'm going to make sure I have some way of keeping track. Um, Right. Which I'm pretty into. You know, I write down page numbers. I use the notes app on my phone. But I've never done audio with Tolstoy ever. Not one second. Tolstoy's a bad example because I will not do audio with Tolstoy. He deserves He deserves to be read. He's earned it. Yeah. And... And um, my goodness, is he worth it? I mean, he's by so, he's he's far and away the best author that we read on the book in ink. I don't think he's he is far and away the best author to ever live. There's just not a, in terms of authors of novels go. There is no one who has touched him, not even once, not even close. The more I think about it, and the more we circle this issue, the more I think, even given this, their respective genre limitations, like even taking those into account and then adjusting. I still think Tolstoy blows away Jane Austen, and I still think Tolstoy kind of blows away Shakespeare, honestly. I do, too. Um, I, do I mean, too. Shakespeare is a better poet. Shakespeare is the best poet that ever lived. Okay, good Shakespeare. But as a storyteller and a psychologist and- As a drawer of characters. As a drawer of character. And uh, situation, situating them in a plot, and situating them in a, a setting and a context, and propelling it all forward and making it all feel real and natural- and alive with uh, with incredible psychological realism there is no comparison not one not even close yep and i was i was talking to somebody the other day as an as an example of this like this person has no concept okay you have two friends okay one of those friends goes off the rails and commits adultery and makes a wreck of her life and the other doesn't and they're really close friends. The one who doesn't has no concept whatsoever, not even the first clue to understand the first thing about the world that this woman now lives in and the way that her mind now works and is altered and the ways that she has broken herself and everything else around her. Mm -hmm. No concept whatsoever. And is telling me this, that, but I understand the whole story. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know what would be really helpful to you is if you took this 19th century Russian novel and and written by a man in a completely otherly world, in a completely otherly context than anything like what we're talking about called Anna Karenina. Mm-hmm. And if you got to know Anna as drawn by Tolstoy, 
you would understand your friend. How in the world did he do that? And not just do it once with Anna, but over and over and over and over again with so many different types of people. Mm -hmm. He's amazing. I mean, he's just, uh, he's a genius. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Tolstoy is the best. Incomparable. Incomparable. Yeah. I think that's all I have to say about audiobooks. Is that all you have to say about audiobooks, Jake? (laughs) I think so. There's a whole other genre of, of books that are really great to take in via audio. And that is anything on the level of like dopey self-help or something like that. Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson, Wim Hof. Scott Adams. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. All the, all your kind of... David Goggins. Yeah. Whatever. Read fast, think slow, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, there's Write. absolutely no reason to waste your time reading the words. Malcolm Gladwell. In Never. A... Why would you read Malcolm Gladwell when you can listen to him? If there's a book that's going to give you like three mental handles that are going to help you be like a better entrepreneur or help you get fit or something like that. Bust through it, get the handles and get out. Yeah. Yeah. Do not waste your time. It's just, it's, 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 it's borderline a sin. Not really, but you know what I mean? Like, why would you waste your time? Yeah. So many better things to do with your time. Like so watch good. Clone Wars. Yep. You could be watching Clone Wars. Yeah. Really? That's the subtext of this whole podcast. <laughs> you could be watching Clone Wars. And so why waste your time reading? Exactly. I guess you want to stay practiced so that you can read the little Cook things books. that come at, at the top, the little morals at the beginning. Of oh, Clone yeah. Wars. At the beginning of Clone Wars. Yeah. Yeah. That and cookbooks. What yep. else is reading for? Uh, I mean. Don't you I'm, pay people to do that for you? I'm a, I'm a man. I don't have to read a cookbook. Oh, well, most of our a significant portion of our audience is not. So I would say 60% of our audience, 60 is, I don't know exactly where I'd put the number, but yes. A larger than 50% of our audience should mostly be reading cookbooks and maybe listening to audiobooks while they cook. Makes sense to me. I'm referring to the professional chefs that listen to our show. More than half of our show is made up of professional chefs. Yes, exactly. Professional (laughs) chefs love the bookening. They thought it was the cooking. Most stumbled on it thinking uh, it was the cooking and they had a typo, but you know, they're still here. So if you type cooking into your podcast app, it will bring up the bookening and it will automatically play it and you will love it. Yeah. And that's not fake news. It's true. Thanks for listening, chefs. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for listening, chefs. (laughs) And by chefs, of course, we mean women. (laughs) They're the same thing. Let's face it. Well, Brandon's not here, so I, but, okay, let me, let me at least do a little bit in terms of Donor shout-outs here. I feel like Frankenstein's going to win this one. Yeah, well, let's, let's, yep. Jake, tell me what your favorite book that we've ever read on the bookening and a book that you think everyone should read and not listen to and should read over and over again at least once a month in order for their life to be edifying, complete, Uh, and mm. fulfilled. Yeah. Say that book the name of that book after every patron that I now shout out. Yep. Robert Donald Round of the Lovebirds. Dracula. The Artful Anthony Dodger. Dracula. Little Anthony Cigar Store. Dracula. The Immortal Chelsea E. Dracula. 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 Benny and Danny Dracula, 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 Dracula. You know, I, I never do this. I never yeah. call out the people. I never throw down on the people who aren't supporters. They just kind of disappear from the list. But Jeremy the Dark Hooded Lord of Death, really? Boo! He's our friend, folks. We, we, know, we know him. So or Jeremy he was. the Dark Hooded Lord of Death, no longer a friend. Yeah, probably. He, he got married and... Got us out of their budget or something dumb. Well, yeah. He also cut us out of the budget of the woman that he married, who was Maya. Maya! Is she really not a patron? I'll tell you, like, a month after they got married, both of their credit cards got declined. Wait, so we don't get to yell Maya anymore? No. Why? That's like, guys, the booking is like, that's like the death knell right there. It's the end of an era, for sure. Oh, my goodness. That's, the show can't go on. The show's gonna die! Up! Die! Up!
great moments in podcasting brought to you by <laughs> so oh man isn't that sad she, she was like one of our first and then the the, the aptly named Dark somebody Hooded needs Lord to of death s- yeah sweeps in and steals her i don't know now, who's the greater villain here i mean i don't know were you just about to say someone else named maya needs to support our podcast yeah we need we need to be able to yell maya i mean i i just really don't know that i can go on on this show without looking forward to that okay yep we need another maya so maya's out there or somebody to support on behalf of maya or something hey that's not a bad idea if somebody yeah listen jeremy the dark hood lord of death we are displeased with you we are displeased boo with with maya yeah boo is the word be all of the work of our friendships behind the scenes to help you get where to where you are today and this is the thanks we get Mm mm-hmm the second, you couldn't even like give it a few grace months just to kind of cushion it. Boo. Mm. And double boo. 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 Yeah, yeah, exactly. Boo. More like Jeremy the dork hooded. Filth. Slime. Cord of. The queen of putrescence. Yeah, she, Jeremy's the king of protest. K- yeah, the king. King of putrescence. We're not saying that about my, actually. Should we start blaming the dark shout outs? <laughs> What'd you say? What's that? What'd you say? Should we? Nothing. Continue with our shout outs? Yeah. I don't know if you like it's all gra- ground to a halt here. Right? Where do you go after you can't yell, Maya! Maya! Um, well, Jake, I'll tell you. I guess you uh, go ahead and yell out to Eric and Catherine from Yonder No Breaks, Professor and Lady X, <laughs> Lavender's Green, Dylan Dylan, Noah Dracula. Constrictor, Merit Cheap, The Very Fragrant Maiden Chloe, Anthony Who's Cold and Hates Life, Liberty in the Pursuit of Cheese, Jujitsu Jeffy, the Texas Ranger, Rachel. Rachel. Midnight into Ellen, J. Bracken Ruin, Timothy the Writer of Dawn, Eric and Kate the Camp Champ Kings who are warm and love bees, Maddie, 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 Matman, Sweet Jamie Sunshine, Tyler the Keeper of Eternal Darkness, and Laura the Keeper of Eternal Light. Hey, didn't you meet Maddie, Maddie, Matman? I did meet Maddie, Maddie, Matman. Fun thing, Maddie, Maddie, Matman is moving to Bloomington this summer. And we left. He's going to New Geneva Academy. He waited until we left. Yeah, really sad. I'm surprised. Sad that he didn't move to Evansville and decided to join New Geneva Academy here. But you, you know, know uh, they say don't meet your heroes, so that's probably why he didn't move to Evansville. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but then he met you, so I... <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you meet your heroes. You can't help it. Sometimes, yeah, it happens. I... No, he's a good guy. I enjoyed meeting him. There you go. I, w- I wish job. we would have had more time to talk, actually, but there's just other other things I had to do. Yeah, you know. He understood. Presbyterian's busy time, so. He understood. I'm sure he did. When you said shut up, shove him aside and. <laughs> Please go away and leave me alone. <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> Just give me your money. I have better things to do than to talk to you right now. Right. That's basically what. It, no, that's not. That's not what happened. Thanks for the cash, you fat cow. <laughs> I think that's the, the actual words. Yeah, you got it. Exactly right. Cash and cow, two words that go together well. Hey, okay, so uh, Cold Steel Cody, Jacqueline the Librarian, Barbarian, John Bovadilla, Bum Diggity, and Captain Steel, his mate, saxophone Alex, the other saxophone Alex, Dubstep Danny, Ryan the Terror of Texas, and Eric of the are no longer stuck in the cold, please send cheese, Ben Solo and Kylo Ren, John the Cosmic King of Chaos, Matthew the Mind Flayer, and are you okay? Get your gun. Flight of the Valerie, Thor Ragnajosh, Steven, dot, dot, dot. Piglodon, Christopher, Dracula, the Flower Dracula, Hulk, Dracula, Dracula, Lady Dracula, of the Crystal Dracula, Lake, Dracula, Dracula, and Dracula, Dracula, we have someone new to welcome. Yay. A patron I call Ian, because that's his name, but we need like an awesome patron name for Ian. Probably something like Ian Bobian. Banana would be really great. I, I, I like silliness as much as the next guy, but I am not subjecting Ian to Ian Pobian. Uh, here, I'm going to go to rhymezone.com and see what Ian rhymes with. Korean? Caribbean? Pirates of the Carib. Ian? Carib. Oh, man. Can't say that I care about that. What about Pirates of the Carib, Ian Bobian, Bam Bam Wap Bam, whatever it was, Banana. Banana Fanafofian. Ian. Nemimo-mian. Oh my goodness. Let's see here. Okay. It's too late at night to be making awesome 
names. Yeah, we had all kinds of mix-ups, and then Brandon's stupid fat internet went out because his fat little pig of a son <laughs> ran over his fat internet cord <laughs> with his big fat lawnmower. So Brandon doesn't really have a fat pig of a son. All right, I'm putting Ian's name into this fantasy name generator that I just pulled up on Google, and <laughs> we'll see if it gets something cool, as you know, old GeoCity websites often do. Oh, boo! That's that's not working at all. We're solving this. We're working on it. All right. Okay, this is like a name generator thing. What gender would you like? Male. What is your character's title? We'll say professor. Uh, flavor vampire. We don't have a vampire in the list. Is Ian a great leader, poetic, virtuous, or evil? Evil. Yep. That's kind of what I'm thinking, too. And I have no idea when Ian was born. I'll just hit suggest, 1983. How would you describe his or her nationality? Should we make Ian British, American, Canadian, or Australian? Bothan. Bothan? Many Bothans died. Let's see. I think British is the closest to that. How would you describe his or her parents' nationalities? We'll make them British as well. Twi'leks. Twi'leks. Which best describes your character's religious background? A Christian? And... Dark side. All right. Write me some character names. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> not even going to say it out loud. I mean, is, that, it's not, is that what you It's at? not funny. It's just funny because it's so lame. Professor D- Daniel Cross. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be some cool fantasy name, but it got me, gave me Professor Daniel Cross for some reason. Oh, somehow I got away from the name generator. This is just like a fictional, like, name your character. It's not like a fantasy. Oh, boy, that was a waste of time. Sorry, Ian. Okay. Hmm. Really should think of these beforehand. All right. We're going to go with Dathomirian. Death and what? Dathomirian is cool. I'm doing a name generator, too. Oh, cool, cool. I am going to pull up Anna Karenina since it's the greatest novel of all time and see if I can point to a random word and it will give Ian a cool name. All right, here we go. Ian Spite Jaza. Spike Jaza? Spite Jaza. Let's try Penis Shazay. Crude <laughs> <laughs> Evraz. I love Penis Sajay. Shazay. All right, let me try this Anna Karenina thing. Heinous Shazian. Jackian. Brutish as Dazian. How about the Mandalore, Ian? <laughs> you know what? I think we should I think we should call him that today, but maybe we'll come up with something better. Ian deserves better, I think. The Camino Ian. The Camino. The Geonosian. We'll do that when he when he drops that support. The road, Ian. The Rodian. Yeah, those Rodians are jerks and racist, racist stereotypes. Hey, here's an idea. Since Jeremy hates us, what if Ian became the dark-hooded Lord of Death? That's pretty good. Like, Darth, Darth Ian, the dark-hooded Lord of Death. He's Dathomirian. That's like Darth Maul's race. The Dathomirian-hooded cool. Lord of Death? Yeah. All right. I'm writing that one down for now. And the Dathomirian Hooded Lord of Death. The Dathomirian Dark Hooded Lord of Death. Better than, I mean, Corellian. Nah, Dathom- we're not doing better than Dathomirian. Yeah. So Ian, the Dathomirian Lord of Death, is that what we're going with? Yeah, Ian, the Dathomirian Lord of Death. That's great. Actually, that's super cool. Yeah. Congratulations, Ian. You're Ian, the Dathomirian Hooded, or no, just Lord of Death. Yeah. Lord of Death. Yeah. yeah. It's like the Facebook. Drop the the. It's cleaner. Okay. Well, folks, I think you profited from this episode, despite Brandon's death at the hands of Princess Leia when she strangled him with the chain that he was using to keep her captive <laughs> and blew up his sailing bar. He deserves it. He deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> he should I, not have. I, I, this is why I don't go listen to the episodes I, I don't show up for. You're not usually called fat. <laughs> just 5,000 other things, right? I think I could say, what What did we say last time? I think we said 
you had murdered someone at a baseball. I don't remember why that or where this came from, but we said that you were at a baseball game where you had shot several people. (laughs) 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 Got me. Yeah, we got you. The authorities haven't caught on yet. No, but we did. (laughs) We we gave you a sick burn, verbal wise. Yeah, no, it was great. Yeah, so Brenton's fat. We accuse you of being a murderer of children at a baseball game or something. I don't really remember the context. I'm sure our listeners do. All right, folks. I hope that you read the book of Proverbs or listen to the audio version. Do that strategically. And Proverbs is one book that you, one of the books that you'd be least likely to benefit from, benefit from reading the audio version of. I agree, especially those first nine chapters. I think there might be an argument for. Chapters 10 on, I'm just thinking out loud here. Would that be I would think 10 or? on would be uh, h- harder to read or h- to listen to. 1 to 9, yeah. you could do better actually listening to. But 10 on, that's going to be hard. I feel like point. I listened to it not too long ago just because it was what was in my you know, Bible reading plan or whatever that I was listening yeah. to. And I actually did like listening to the, the proverby part of Proverbs because... I mean, it was, it didn't allow me to get a comprehensive view of Proverbs, but it did mean, it did make it so like one or two of them just really stuck out and, and I fixated on those and it was kind of fun. Probably not the ideal way to do it, but it did work in that particular case. Anyway, folks, you make your own decisions. It's a free country. You can read the book of Proverbs any way that you like and goodbye. 